All right, folks, good evening, good evening. How is everybody? Good. Thank you guys for coming out. Um, For the first half hour or so, Julie and I will be sharing with you, but the rest of the evening is all of us sharing, which is going to be beautiful. Um, We've named this Vision Night, but we believe the beauty of it is that the dream and the vision of God is dwelling in us. And so that's what a lot of the night is going to be about. Um, But we will kind of open it up. So, Father, we love you. Thank you that you are here in this space with us. And we give you permission to move and speak and animate by your spirit every single beloved son and daughter in this room. For we together carry the seeds of the kingdom, which are the dreams of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you again for hanging out with us. Um, It has been a beautiful month so far, September Resync. And the whole dream of this month was to resync our hearts with God in one accord, which God has been doing in all kinds of beautiful ways, like the prayer uh, night we had last Wednesday, the prayer room. So many people came in and encountered the Lord together and groups, home churches, individually sitting with God in the quiet. It was beautiful. And so many have been resyncing their hearts with one another from celebrating, eating pancakes, dance party, uh, remembering together the family story, which has been beautiful. And so God has just been doing beautiful things amongst us in this resync. Um, tonight, the purpose of it was really to look not just into the past, but into the future. But I want to spend just a few minutes orienting in the past as we start tonight. Um, So from the very beginning, if you were here uh, when I told the novice story, if not, I'd encourage you to just go take some time and listen to that. We're 18 years into our journey, but from the very first meeting that we ever had, we gathered, and we actually did this again on that Sunday morning, two Sundays ago. We said, Jesus, you're the center of this church. Amen. You are the head of the church. You are the one we want to follow. And that has been our desire from the very beginning, is that you would be the chief shepherd, you would be our leader, you would be the one that we follow, no matter what you say or where you go. And the other thing we did is we held hands with one another, and we looked to our right and to our left, and we said, every, it was circles like this, every person matters, every uh, gift counts, everyone brings their contribution. That was how we had our very first meeting. And um, when you make commitments like that, at some point in your journey, actually at many points in your journey, I'm sure you've experienced this personally, God is going to test you on that. Yes? God is going to say, am I actually uh, the center? Am I actually the one you want to follow? And is the church actually a people or is it a building, right? And so in 2019, we got tested in a major way around this when the Father actually invited us to surrender the building we were in as a church and to follow the cloud. And so we went around following him from place to place, and that was a wild and wonderful journey, especially as it started. But as the years went on, wild and wonderful started to feel more and more like a wilderness. Can I get an amen? Okay. felt like where are we going? What is happening? Are we going in circles? And um, 
It was definitely uh, a test of obedience. It was a God-orchestrated disruption. Um, And here's the thing about wilderness is no one chooses to go to wilderness. We don't want to go to the wilderness. But the Father chooses it for us because he loves us. The Father chose the wilderness for Abraham. The Father chose the wilderness for Jacob, for Moses, for Joshua, for Israel, for David, for Ruth. I could go on for Jesus, for Paul. When he meets the Lord, he has to go to the wilderness. And so the wilderness, it's important to have a a proper perspective on it. It is not a punishment. The wilderness is a preparation. So if you find yourself there at any point in your journey where it feels dry, you don't know what's going on, you need to know you're not there being punished, but you're there being prepared. Now, if we don't cooperate, the wilderness can go longer. We learn that from the biblical narrative. But even the Spirit brought Jesus to the wilderness. He wasn't in disobedience. He was being prepared for what God had for him. Is that true? Yeah. And so um, it is not fun to go to the wilderness, but it is formative. It is a place of refinement. It's a place of reformation. It's a place where your character is tested. It's a place where your identity and contribution are defined and clarified. It's a place where paradigms are shifted. It's a place of disruption where everything becomes different than what you have planned. And I don't know about you, but I want things to go according to how I planned them. I'm not looking for a disruption. But the Lord took Nava on a divine disruption out of our comfort and security. And uh, the wilderness is always an invitation to trust, to surrender, to wait, to embrace loss and learn how to grieve loss. It's an invitation then to welcome things which are new that we never saw coming. It can be called a liminal space. Years ago, some of you will remember at a retreat, I gave a little word on liminal space. It's amazing how many times I've heard that word back in the last few years from people going, oh, that's what you're talking about. Liminal means threshold. It's a crossing over point. You're not out of the door or in the door. You're not through the door. You're right in the middle. You're, you're in between. Liminal space is when you have left something behind that is no longer going to work for you, but you've yet to take hold of what is coming. And how many know that is an uncomfortable place to be? When everything else is removed, I can't go back, but I don't know what to go forward into. My only option is to take hold of God. But actually, before you're able to take hold of God, you find God taking hold of you. Liminal space is not something you do to get through. It's something that's being done to you for your good. And God loves to prepare his people in this waiting space. Liminal space is when we face Our inner fears, we come face to face with our inner fears and everything and every propensity to control. But the point of it is not just to become face to face with your inner fears, it is to come face to face with God. That is the goal of this ambiguous in between. It is a place of transition and it is a beautiful place that shakes us out of our habitual patterns and disrupts us. It's an invitation to surrender everything. 
I remember when the Lord initiated this with us. And by the way, when I say waiting, most liminal space or transitions are from several months. You're very fortunate. But usually if it's an entire people, we're talking several years. So Nava's been in one for four years. It's not too much time. Try the biblical narrative, right? In, in your own personal life, I hope this is instructive. Anyone who's been in the Lord for several decades will have already been in several places they would call wilderness. But sometimes the Father brings in entire people because he's after reformation. And when we first entered into this, we felt the Father say, I want a new wineskin and new wine, but there's going to be a crushing. And for months, we sought the Lord before he said, follow the cloud. And we said, Father, what's the new wineskin? And I think we were all looking for like, what's the model? What's the way? What are we, how are we going to do this? And the Father over time has been kind and shown us some of those things. But what he said to us was this. The new wineskin is a family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That is what he's making of us, Nava. A family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He said, I can pour my wine into that wineskin. A people who is willing to do whatever, go wherever, be anything that I am making of them. A people who follows Jesus in all of life. So these four years of wilderness have been a reformation. They've deepened what we had already committed to. What I've watched these four years do is they've solidified the conviction we've always had. What is that? Keep Jesus at the center. Know Jesus. Love Jesus. Crave being in Jesus' presence. Do whatever Jesus says. I have watched this people become a people of Jesus. Following Jesus in all of life. When we say the vision is Jesus, we've always said that. But after four years of being tested, I look around this room and I go, this is a people who loves Jesus. When we stand before him, can I tell you a secret? Nothing else will matter. <laughs> Amen? That is who Nava is. If you need to know what is the vision, you've come for a compelling vision tonight. The vision is being obsessed with Jesus. To become a people who knows him more and more and loves him more and more and will do absolutely anything Jesus says. But I've also watched the conviction deepen. That is the, what we started. The church is a people who really believes the contribution of every person matters. So I've watched those deepen. What we've always held on to, I've watched them deepen. But I've watched something new happen in the Reformation as well. He has begun to reveal a pattern and a framework that will help us continue to prioritize his presence and follow Jesus. But even more, what I see in the framework and the pattern is it will ensure that the contribution and dreams of God in all the people rather than in a few are the main agenda of our church. That is what these four years have done. And it is an uncomfortable reformation, but I think it's what we always wanted and were called to be. Jesus has taken us seriously and said, okay, let's do it. There will be no building. The church is a people. Amen? So he, he gave us about three years into the journey. He started to give us language 
that matched the way we had already been living and a framework, we call it an ecosystem. Some of you may have heard of that. At the center of your tables, if you'll pass around those pretty pictures my wife designed that are ecosystem, she's going to come and share some about that. Yay. So the paper he's talking about is this one with the little ecosystem on it. So God spoke, God likes speaking to us through things he's already made, right? Which is cool. So we can have better understanding. And so the ecosystem is really just that it's something that he's created in nature around us that we can learn from and we can adapt. And so he started giving us this language actually right at the beginning of our journey leaving PlexPod, and then he's kind of developed it over the last four years. And so um, the definition of an ecosystem, this is not just the Nava ecosystem, this is any ecosystem in the world, is different parts within a whole that depend on one another for life, growth, and flourishing. So really important there that It's different. There's different things happening within it, but it makes up a whole. And we are for life and growth and flourishing. And so we just felt like this language gave us an understanding of what the Lord was trying to do with us as Nava and as a people. And so if you break up the word eco, it basically just means nature, the natural. And system is a framework. So it's a framework in which nature grows. Right, So when we talk about the Nava ecosystem, we're just talking about a framework that's there to help growth and flourishing of the life of God amongst us. Right, So that's it. I know it can feel like, what are they talking about, ecosystem? But that's all we're talking about. And so um, the Nava e- ecosystem is made up of five primary parts. And to remember them, they all start with an R. Isn't that fun? This is my husband's great alliteration. If you haven't noticed, Adam likes the alliteration stuff. So um, we basically have a rule of life, so a rule and a rhythm, an annual rhythm, a rule of life and a rhythm that of formation to establish a discipleship culture because Nava is about discipleship, and we're about Beautiful people being formed into the likeness of Jesus, not just about great meetings, right? And so the rule of life and the rhythm is there to help set, set us in a pattern of formation, to create an environment for discipleship. Now, do those two things make discipleship? No. Our personal choices of following Jesus together, that's what makes a, a culture of discipleship. But the rule and the rhythm are there as a structure or a framework to help us do that. So the rule of life, the rule, which we call it a rule, is just simply an intentional plan and set of practices that helps us abide in Jesus in communion with each other. It makes Jesus central, and it lets Jesus rule our lives rather than life rule us. Right? That's like the very basics of the rule of life. Um, we talk about the rule of life in four different quadrants. And if you've been around Nava at all, you're going to hear prayer, family, mission. Right? So the four quadrants are prayer, family, mission, and rest. And so you'll see them in there, prayer, family, mission, rest. Ultimately, we would love 
that the rule of life would include a common rule that all of us hold as basic things in all of those areas, so that together we're all following Jesus in a certain rhythm or pattern. Um, the rhythm is an annual calendar designed, like when we look at a, at a year, we see that God puts rhythms in place. He puts four seasons there's days and nights. There's certain things that grow at certain times. There's certain things that die at certain times, right? Like that's part of a rhythm of life. And so Nava has a rhythm as well because what we don't want to do is force 100 programs all the time that's trying to change us and make us into something because that just adds to the chaos, right? So we're wanting a rhythm so that there's times of productivity. There's times of rest. There's times to play and feast together. There's times to learn together. There's times to go out together. And so the idea is that at, for certain seasons, again, we're focusing on prayer, family, mission, formation. And does that mean that we only pray for those four months of the year? <laughs> no, not at all, right? Like prayer is happening all the time, but at certain seasons we're kind of focusing on one thing so that as a whole we're growing together in that area. And so... That's why we want a rhythm. Now, so that's rule of life and rhythm is there to form a discipleship structure for us. Then we have a relational network of leaders and uh, resource teams and hubs. So those two we pair together because a relational network of leaders, first of all, we believe in relationship as part of the kingdom of God. We don't just believe in transaction. We don't just want to have transactions with other, one another. We want relationship. We want healthy relationship between, between us. And we also believe in teams. Um, and the, part of the reason why we believe in teams is because Jesus modeled teamwork. And we are better together. We are significantly, significantly wiser when we're together than when we're alone. Correct? Right? When we work together, there is a shared burden of leadership, first of all. When a four people are leading rather than one, we share the burden of that. We also get to share the joy of leadership when there's more than one. Because if you find something that's like amazing and it's gone really well and you're all alone doing it, there's no one to share that with, right? But when there's a group together, there's the joy of leadership. And so at Nava, one, because Jesus models it, but two, because we're just better together, we believe in team leadership. And so we have relational networks of teams throughout Nava, and you can see those there. We have an eldership team that leads Nava. Um, they have oversight of the whole Nava family and mission, including regions, home churches, hubs, and resource teams. We have resource teams, which you guessed it, resource team for prayer, resource team for family, resource team for mission, resource team for formation, and then we have operations because we all know that without operations, nothing else runs smoothly. And then we have collaborative teams. These are home church leadership teams that collaborate together to see what the Lord is doing in an area and shared learning. Then we have home church leadership teams and then an oversight team, which is an external team outside of NAVA who oversees our eldership team. And then we have a global family, which is a network of churches that we relate to together and learn that's for collaboration and friendship globally. So all of those 
are layered within teams and within relationship and networks. And those, as you can tell there, we're saying that is, is partly interconnected with home churches and regions. And the reason why we believe in home churches, and I just want to say this again because we really do believe that home churches are the primary um, expression of life within NAVA. And we wouldn't necessarily say, like, we're a home church network church, but we would say home churches are our primary place of connection. And we believe that because we actually believe that Jesus came and turned on its head the whole idea of family. And he said that your family is not just the people related to you by blood, but it's the people that he is in his family. And so when we are families, we all know that a family reunion of 500 people is fun, but nobody really knows each other or takes care of each other in that space. But families are small, noble-sized people that get to practice the devotions of Acts 2 together and actually express to the world what the family of God looks like. And that family of God is really beautiful because it crosses all ethnic, racial, gender, and socioeconomic dividing walls. It makes us one body in Christ. We are seeking to be this biblical New Testament church. And we believe it's best expressed in homes, in places of safety where people can be known and seen and heard and participate. So that is why we do home churches, if you've been wondering why Nava does them. (laughs) And then we also do the joint things together because we also believe that we are one ecosystem. We are one all together. And there is an expression of God that gets expressed within us as the whole when we come together. And so the uniqueness of each home church comes together into the whole, which makes us one body here. And then we have those um, resource teams and hubs that get to serve the life which is within the home churches and regions. And so, again, the resource teams, prayer, family, mission, formation, and operations. And then we have hubs, and those hubs are just basically places to serve. And so any kind of building or resource that we have could be a hub. So it could be a prayer room. It could be this building. It could be anything. But again, it's not the hub that defines who Nava is. The hub is there to serve the life within the people in home churches and regions. Does that make sense? All right. So we are excited about seeing what grows up in the Nava ecosystem. And so just like an ecosystem, if you were moved into a new house and you had an empty plot of land and you said, okay, what am I going to do with this yard or this field? We start dreaming and, and things start growing. There's things growing. There's seeds that are growing already within our ecosystem. And so Adam's going to share for a few minutes what has been growing in our ecosystem, and then we're going to take some time together to dream into what it can become. She did pretty good, hey? Come on. Um, I think she's awesome. So, as Julie said, um, we want to see a discipleship culture. Everything we have is aimed at individuals flourishing in the life of God, 
bringing and restoring all things, but doing that in and through the church we call home churches. So I'm going to start with regions and home churches. So what I'm looking at is just over the last 12 months, some things that have developed. I'm not going to mention everything, cannot do that, or tell all the stories, impossible for 12 months. So if I leave out the thing that you did, please don't be offended with me. There's so much cool life that's happening. We have 10 home churches uh, here welcoming new people in. Sharing, di- we're seeing growing diversity, age, culture, ethnicity. Four of our home churches are like 40 plus people. So new leaders are in development. Those are that we're pioneering a whole new model called mega home churches. We're really not. We need multiplication. Okay, so we need to develop leadership, more leaders, and that's actually happening. We have apprentice leaders in a lot of home churches. We have experimentation going on right now to see multiplications happening. We would love to see loads more home churches, and we're excited about that. Um, We have about 40 home church leaders shepherding churches, and they do quarterly connects that match the annual rhythm, and they're being resourced. We just want you to know that. And we're in our second year of collaborative coaching and pastoral oversight. So our home church leaders are in collaboratives that that get coached together and strengthened together and supported, and there's pastoral connections to handle encouragement and problems and crises so that our home churches can be healthy and strong and supported. We've got an Algerian community that started up through Rob and Patty Black. That's amazing. Like, God's moving. We've adopted a home church. Many who are over here, raise your hand. Shawnee, these guys are here. We're so glad you're here. So we've got some that had no extended family, but were being the church and said, how do we get resourced in a family that will build us up in Christ and look after us? And even going through severe pastoral crises and help. And so it's already been beautiful to have you guys. Um, We've, uh, you know, loads of things God's doing. I'm seeing the release of new gifts and voices and leaders. Home churches are thriving. And again, multiplication is happening. We talked about these resource teams, right? These resource teams, prayer, family, mission, formation, and operations, they're all resourcing the people and the churches to grow up into Christ in maturity, right? That's what Ephesians 4 says. So in prayer, we've done two 24-7 prayer seasons this year. Loads of stories of people encountering Jesus. Forgiveness, hearing words of the Lord about their workplace, praying for the lost, people meeting the Lord. There's stories of people meeting Jesus. There's a cultivation of a Wednesday night creative group that's happening. We have a seed of creativity. And now creativity is rising up in our church again. Can I get an amen? That is so awesome. We took a whole group of people through a biblical foundation for entire quarter on reframing the prophetic because we want healthy prophetic life in our church. The prayer team's doing a lot more, mobilizing intercession and on and on. I'll move to family and formation. I'm coupling these together just to save some time. They're distinctly led. There's different things. But, I mean, here's some things. Young adults are still being led beautifully by Abby Day. I'm so thankful for you. And we are crying out that God would grow more and more young adults in our church. But, Things are happening. Life is budding. They're being supported, which is beautiful. Katie Ugly's done amazing with kids. There's a pattern for kids' ministry. Kids are meeting Jesus, being discipled. There's beautiful stories. They created a business to give to caring for kids, fundraised, sold the stuff, and did all stuff. It's incredible. Caring for kids was blown away. We did an illuminated soul weekend, vulnerably opening Jesus' ministry to over 30 people who are struggling with mental health in this church. Guys, people encountered Jesus in that place. It was amazing. We did the following Jesus path that 
pathway with a liturgy that's orienting all of us in the catechism. What does it mean to follow Jesus? People are baptized through going through that. Foundations are being laid in our home churches, created a prayerful family on mission plan that our home church leaders can work through. We did Advent this year in a soup and sing-along, and several hundred people came, and we sung and laughed and danced, and there was confetti. I think David became a Christmas tree. That was fantastic. Um, we did a marriage refresher, strengthening marriages, and new people are coming onto the team, and there's premarital. There's the expansion of our youth. We have a partnership with an inner-city youth group, and two youth groups are coming together, partnering in mission together. Guys, that's phenomenal. That is part of our multi-ethnic heart of the kingdom, right? And Sarah and Sam are doing phenomenal on that. Spring retreat was awesome. I'll move to mission. I know I'm buzzing through this. I just want to give you a snapshot and it can't take long. Um, We ran Alpha, which is a community way to help seekers on their way to Jesus. And God moved in that. We're helping mobilize prayer to 109 schools in the spring. They're going for 850 this this Saturday. I want to invite you, Friday night, the city's gathering at Hy-Vee Arena. Please sign up for it, and then pick one school to go prayer walk at this Saturday. Register, tell them where you're praying. But we did 109 in the spring and partnered with City Unity across the city and over 100 churches to do that. That's amazing. That's Nava participating in the city. Refugee support. A family that were refugees is now open to Jesus through Meredith and the Eglies and others, uh, the Mays in our city. That's amazing, guys. Young Life and Lee Lee Summit, Curtis Edwards and Disadvantaged Youth, and we're funding that. We're working with Exodus Cry and anti-human trafficking with Stephanie. We're serving communities around the world like Japan, Beirut, Cape Town, Hong Kong. Cape Town's not a country. South Africa, Zambia. (laughs) Partnering with all nations. I should know that. I apologize, my beloved. Um, and right now, one of the most amazing things that's going on in mission is Ken Yonke's been here all year, literally helping every person in our church begin to think about their contribution. Now there's nine people on the mission resource team, and they're discerning, developing, and deploying everyone's contribution in this church to head in to 12 mission fields in the city. And right now they're busy on that work. And so something is, mission's going to be born from the edges of this church, not the central team. That's going on right now. Operations, faith fund. We've given more than $40,000 this year in operations. A new website has just gone up. If you haven't seen it, my wife just put it together with my 15 year old daughter. They did an amazing job. It's awesome. Um, We set in a new stewardship board. Um, We have organizational health and communication as a strategic aim, and we've been writing job descriptions, doing all kinds of beautiful things. Uh, God's faithfulness to provide for us all these years. And uh, El Torion is part of operations. If you don't know, for us, this is a temporary hub, but it has served in so many cool ways. Training, kids, young adults, gatherings, God has blessed us with this place. We're month to month here. Our hands are open. We're following Jesus. We don't own this building, but it has served us well. But we're always ready to go. If God says ready to go or he wants to plant us somewhere permanently, we're open to that. But this has been a beautiful hub. Um, 2024, I want you to hear kind of what is in our heart. We want to deepen a discipleship culture. So we want to go deeper in that. We want to strengthen and support all of our regions and home churches We want to build out our resource teams. That's underway. Uh, You can hear developments with mission, formation, all kinds of things. And then we're working on organizational clarity. 
We're going to shift to dreams now, but I want to tell you this about dreams. Is that I have so many dreams for this church. I do not have a dream problem. I have pages of dreams. But my dreams, some of them will come to fruition with Nava. But many of them will not. Many, because the dreams of God are being released out of the people. Our vision is not Adam's dream or Josh Johnson's dream or Tim Gadoo's dream or Meredith Johnson's dream or Katie Egley's dream or anyone on the eldership only. Our dream is that the dream of God is released from this church, that every person carries those seeds. And intentionally, the Lord has changed and reformed us, so that must be so. And that is a gift. Amen? So I'll tell you one of my dreams. I dream of a wild, multi-ethnic, as many nations until I'm so uncomfortable I can't speak the languages, I don't know what's happening, it's out of control, movements and multiplications of home churches in underserved communities, minority communities, communities of all nations, until we look like the throne room. There, that's one of my dreams. And we're a long way from it, but the seeds of God, new shoots and sprouts are happening. Amen? So, I'm going to let Julie take us into the rest of the time, and it's all about what comes out of you guys and us releasing that together. Um, But I'm really excited. Thank you. That is for us. Amen. Oh, thank you, Ken. Aren't you kind? That is a big, spacious playground where things can grow up. And guess what's the most fun? We have no idea what following Jesus, each one of us, is going to grow that's the adventure. So, over to my bride again. All right. All right. What I love about an ecosystem is that it has living and non-living parts. And the non-living things is just there to sustain the life of the living things. And the living things are the things that actually make the ecosystem unique. And so all of us in here are the living parts of the Nava ecosystem. So we describe the framework. Adam got to describe some of the life that's growing within that framework. But now all of us get to add our living part to make the ecosystem beautiful and colorful and fun. So we are going to take time around the tables, and all of you are going to get a little sheet that looks like this. And actually, maybe let's try consolidate a little bit. Um, Could you three at that table move over there to Katie's table Uh, on that side? And then, yeah, Christina, do you want to jump in there with them? Would you guys mind? Is that okay? Sorry to move you, but then that way. Melody, do you want to jump in on a table where there's there? The Blackwells have some space at theirs. All right, so we each want to think about when we dream about the ecosystem, how do we see Nava flourishing? What aspects would you like to see develop or mature? Is there anything that's not in the ecosystem right now that you'd like to see in the ecosystem? 
right? You don't have to write this down. Just what are you dreaming of? What would you like to see grow? What would you like to see develop? It might be something immediate, like within the next year. It might be something five years from now, ten years from now. It could be personal, something you'd like to develop, you'd like to see. It could be something corporate. It could be something in the city that you'd like to say, I'd love if Nava participated in that or did something about that. Now, a couple of things. This is not a prophetic exercise. Okay? This is a dream exercise. Whatever you say tonight is not written down in stone, like thus says the Lord, this is going to happen. Okay? This is, we get to dream and co-create with God. And we get to just put our dreams out there and say, I'd love this, or I'd love to see this. And then we all put our faith together and say, okay, God, grow what you want, right? But we are the seed that is being planted tonight. We are the thing that he's breathing on tonight. We are the living parts of the ecosystem that get to dream about what it could look like. So, Around your tables, you guys are going to write on these sheets. We're going to take some quiet time to write. And then we're going to share back within our tables. What are we dreaming of? And then we're going to write down a few, and we're going to share it with the whole room. Okay, so just to give you some ideas. Now, Adam shared one dream, but our eldership did this together. There's 12 elders, and these were some of the dreams that were written down right here. And I'm not going to read them all to you guys. But that's a good amount of dreaming, right? That's not from one person. That's from 12 people. I'm going to just give you 12 dreams from those. So you have an idea of what we're kind of thinking. But you can think outside of the box. But sometimes I know it's helpful to be like, what are other people dreaming? Kind of simulates us. So we're going to start it like this. I dream of. So this is what the elders dreamed of. We dream of quarterly nights of prayer. We dream of Alpha offered in multiple homes. We dream of home churches at UMKC and KCAI. We dream of people coming to Jesus. We dream of a multi-ethnic worship team or worship teams. We dream of transitional housing for families in need. We dream of a retreat center for spiritual formation and pilgrims. We dream of Muslim background believers in our home churches. We dream of Life Transformation School, LTS, for kids. We dream of a permanent prayer space. And we dream of regional hubs. Okay. So dream, Nava, dream. Okay, we'll take a few minutes. There should be a table facilitator at each table. We've got about 30 minutes to dream and share at our tables, and then we're going to take time to all hear back together and dream.